If you're not going to play and risk starting players, I think it was the perfect chance to really experiment a little bit. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. GAA Late Night, live every Sunday evening, 8.30 on Twitter Spaces. Follow at Off The Ball. In partnership with Guinness Zero Zero. 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. More social occasions off the GAA pitch are yours for the taking. So you're all very welcome along to GA Late Night. This week is brought to you with thanks to Guinness Zero Zero. 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. For more social occasions off the GA pitch, they are yours for the taking. Hi, Regan. How are you doing? Very good. Good evening. Good evening to all listeners as well. I believe we have Michael Quinlivan with us now, Dahi. Michael, you're very welcome along to GA Late Night. How are you? Hey, Tommy. How are you? Hey, how are things? Hi, Michael. How are you, sir? Not too bad, no. We're going to get... We're going to get cracking here in one moment when I just add in Sarah O'Donovan. Uh, we've got an all-star cast of us this week, folks. And we've already got a couple of people requesting the chat. So I'm going to add them in straight away. Sarah, you're very welcome along to GA Late Night. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You're representing the Cork corner this afternoon, even though you've got a Dublin jersey on in your profile pic. I know. I probably should change that at this stage of my career, shouldn't I? Yeah, well, it's, it's up to you. Whatever way you want to, whatever jersey you want to wear. Fair play. Well, I was in Cork today. I wasn't actually in Parky Keeve. I was in the Silver Key next door watching it on the TV. And uh, good crowd in Cork today for the match. You know, it was well supported. Um, I, I, John Cleary has a great following. So I think that helps with the with the current team. Brilliant. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that. So what you've got here, folks, we have got Dahi Regan, a regular in GA late night, a 1994 All-Ireland winner with Offaly, a current club manager at the minute. It's Shamrocks, isn't it, Dahi, in, in Offaly? Out of a job since uh, this morning. What? Yeah. I did not know that, Dahi. You're landing that on me now. Breaking news. <laughs> have you yeah. have you walked or were you, or what happened? No, we walked. Yeah, we walked. Anyway, yeah. another day's work. We, we walked. We, uh, <laughs> it's a jewel club. It's not simple in a jewel club. Well, that's that's very interesting. Do you want to get into it now or will we save it for a little later? Ah, to be fair to the club, I think if, if, if I was to speak now, I think it's only right that the club would be given uh, an opportunity at some stage because it's not all one way. So the club have been upfront in relation to that. It's a predominantly senior football club. So we're training the intermediate side, but we're trying to be really professional about what we're doing. And we just feel in relation to player welfare that, you know, we don't want our guys training as often as I suppose they are. Um, I think... Everybody needs access to their players, but I just think if you look at the great dual clubs, they manage their players very well. They get together at the start of the year and they decide and they legislate to the management teams that this is how we want our players kind of managed. And I understand that the football is the senior element of the club, but we're in a league final next weekend. And I suppose the main issue we have is training plan for 6am this morning, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and then a match on Sunday and next Saturday night final and we just didn't want we didn't want the players tugging out another night then on top of that because it's just it's overkill so we had given a commitment that the weeks that the footballers will be playing championship under no circumstances would we would we tug the dual players out now that wasn't requested by the club but we felt it was the right thing to do because I feel strongly about this and I've always felt strongly both in work and in, in sport you have to manage people and just you know, an expectancy that you want them tugged every night. So the footballers aren't going well and they've lost practically every game and it just appears to me that the more games they lose, it's like, oh, they're not fit enough, we need to train them harder and that's not the way forward in our view. So we articulated that over, I suppose, a 10-day ten, a ten period. We've been making requests about the preparation this week for the final on Saturday night. Um, we didn't get the responses that we want, so very reluctantly we took what we felt was a principled and right decision. So we withdrew our services. That is, uh, that's very interesting um, and very well put. I have to be honest with you, Dahi, I'm surprised to hear that because myself and yourself had a very good chat about how excited you were for the league final that you've got coming up. You're obviously living in the parish where you're coaching at the minute. Correct. That's, that's very interesting here. Uh, Sarah Donovan, you're somebody who would have played multiple codes. Uh, I know we didn't expect to get into a dual star debate here and Michael Quindovan, you're coming from Tipperary. Uh, and presume Clamel compete at both. Have either of you anything to offer in terms of what makes it work? Like Michael Lockmore Castellani this year 
they obviously nailed it with football one week hurling another. Yeah, I think on the Lockmore piece, the the key thing that they have going for him is it's the same management across two teams. So mm. it always helps. Um, they can mix it when they need to. They know when they need to give a little bit more of a a preference to one of the two sports. I suppose in our own my own backyard, like we we've, we've two completely separate clubs, so similar kind of to maybe what Danny's talking about there, where you've two completely separate managements. It can be really tough on the dual pairs. Um, you know, it takes a long time before you start to have a little bit of joined up thinking on that, and it's it's definitely a an issue that you'll see across the country where you have um, counties, especially where there's where there's a strong interest in both codes, I would say. Sarah? Yeah, so this is my first year in management, actually. I've taken over uh, Nave Marnogues out in Port Marnock, so they'd be a senior to a camogie team, and they'd be more notably known for their camogie, but they're, they're coming up the ranks in football. So Clean O'Connor of uh, the Dublin Senior Hurlers and, and Kula is from the club, and uh, she set up a, a GA development kind of adult ladies uh, forum so I would liaise with her on a monthly basis to discuss player load dual player load um, during the league when players we were playing on a Tuesday night they would be playing on a Wednesday night if if the game kind of wasn't important to us I'd ensure the junior dual players weren't playing um, I suppose if, to my mind you know if you can get through games and give your dual players a, a break during the league you should be doing that um, and I think that's going to be something that we'll obviously have to work on in the championship. But it is my first year, so I suppose I, you know there'll be things I learn over the summer certainly, and there'll be pressure points as the games get hotter and heavier. Yeah, it sounds like it's the right way to do it. Dahi, I'm sorry to hear that this morning, but it sounds like you've taken a stand. And uh, I'd I'd love to actually hear from any dual players that are listening in from clubs that do it well or don't do it well. Feel free to get in touch. Have you anything else to add, Dahir? Will we bring in some of our speakers? No, 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 no. We have a lot of listeners on, and I'm really keen to yeah. hear what they have to say. There was good activity this weekend. Okay, yeah, let's get something. We might come back to this a little later. Thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, Owen and Connor, I've got you both on the line. I'm going to let Connor in first here, if that's all right. Owen, I added him in first. So, Connor, no Connor Neil, you're welcome uh, to GA Late Night. You've got Dahi Regan, Michael Quindivan, and Sarah Donovan on with you. What would you like to put to them? Good man, Tommy. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm only after getting the matches back there from Kevin Cassidy. I was giving him a bit of abuse there. Okay. Yeah. He's only after match. Maybe let's see what he said. He goes, Jeez, you, you could you're the big man. He, he's calling me the big man. He said, <laughs> I just as I'm an RMA man. I just says I just said to him earlier on. He goes, Listen, Cavi, we're gonna we're gonna beat you today. I knew we were gonna beat them. You were confident. Well, I I, I was confident in the first round in the Ulster Championship as well. But so uh, you know who that ended up. But I just thought, see after the throne game. That's where the confidence came. See after the game. Yes. The whole county is just like you look you see Clonus for there, three to one. Our man in. Orange and white. It was I was never as proud of my it, it, it was actually reminding me of the old days going to Clonus. Honest to God. Really? Amazing. Just just the buzz about the place. Everything amazed. And just the tactics were out the window. It was just gung ho today. Like it was just let's go. Kick the ball in. Let's go at it. Before you get to your question, Connor, was it was the game not in a knife edge before that moment where Patton pulls down Nugent? He gets the black card, and it's just chaos. Do you think so? I feel I feel like Donegal were motoring very well before that little meltdown. Uh, I don't know. Concern. I don't know. I think. Well, I'll tell you what. I always, I always thought to myself, I go, if they if they if they put us away in the first half, we're done because they usually beat us out the gate in the first half. The last ten years has done it. And see when I'm in the first half, us winning, I goes, that's it. It's our, it's our day of the day. It's our day of the day. I knew it. It's good to hear that Armara back. We're back, baby. Have you a question you wanted to throw to our, our cast of guests here, Connor? A question? Have you a question for any of our any of our uh, contributors here? Michael Clindevin. Yeah. Can, there's a man there at work there. There's, can, can we get him off the show and he's up in camera? <laughs> Die. Is it all the Nagini factor? Is it? Is it no? No, it's a Shane O'Neill factor. We've got we've got the baller. We've got the Connor Mac and we've got the Kieran Mac and we've got the two sisters. We've got Amy and Blahy. 
We'll do the lot. We'll do the business this year. I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> Connor, is there anyone you'd fear our man the next round before I move on to Owen here? I wouldn't fear anyone. I want the best. I want the best of the best. Give us Kerry. Kerry haven't played well in four, four or five weeks. Yeah. Let's let give us a go. Give us a go in Cook Park in the big in the big open grass. Give us a go. Fantastic. Great to hear from you, Connor. I don't think I don't think any of those teams want to play our man. Definitely really. not. If you're any of the four provincial finalists, the one you don't want coming out of the draw is Armagh because you have they have momentum, they're playing top of the ground football, you, you don't know where you're trying to defend. Their half forward line is back playing and their half back line for the half for the second half nearly. Yeah. It's it there's it's so hard to get a grip. Um and they're just hurting you everywhere. So I think if you're if you're any of the big of the the big four provincial finalists, they're all looking at the draw, hoping to God that it's not our man coming out of it. Interesting if Kieran Donaghy would like to meet Kerry this early. That is very true. Does Connor have any idea whether uh, Kieran Donaghy would like to meet Kerry this early? I'd say he'd be happy enough. I'd say he'd be happy enough because I'll tell you what, we'll beat them. <laughs> I'm telling you now. You see, when you have us at full flight. When it's, but it's man on oh man going at each other. We'll we'll go at you. Like you see that the other day. See in the second, and the game was nearly over, right? In the second half, and it was intricate sort of football, hand passing. You would have thought we were playing for the we were playing basketball. The way it was going on, bang 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 bang. It was we were doing figure of sixteens going down that field. I don't know. <laughs> it was fantastic. Honest to God, I was usually when I'm out play in the second half. And we'll have a bit of a lead. We usually throw the head up and we're, you know, it, it, it turns into a disaster. But yeah. see, yeah, we, we won a bit at a canter. Yeah. And we'll do it again. Well, it, it, I think a bit of that as well, Donegal, their heads just seemed to go. And very, very early it on in the game, they were panicking. They were lobbing ball in when it didn't really make sense and Armand, everyone back. Connor, it's brilliant to see Armagh flying. You have been a brilliant team to watch over the last couple of years. It's going to be very... Can, can, I, just, can, I, just call it, can I just call out Peter O'Brien? Go for it. Or go, Peter O'Brien, I love you. <laughs> Good luck. Thanks, Connor. Take care. Thank you. Owen, you've been patiently waiting there. Would you like to jump in and ask a question? Just tell us where you're calling from and what well, you want to chat about. I'm from Dublin, or I'm from Wexford, <coughs> but I'm living in Dublin. Um, yeah. But I was in Chile yesterday at the Wexford Curry uh, game. Yes. And um, what's kind of pissing me off is the differences in the refereeing at the moment. Okay. Now, six, there was six yellow cards in the first 20 minutes yesterday for nothing. Like, there was a... One, I think one of the Wexford lads flicked the ball off the hurdle off, off uh, one of the um, Kerry lads. Never free. And even Buff Egan now was giving out about, like, you know, um, Johnny Murphy was absolutely shocking yesterday. Um, you know, it, 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 like last week it was blood and thunder in, in, uh, in Torres. Um, and uh, now you have two clear lads being suspended for next week. Um, you have... The, obviously you had James Owens getting staked for giving too many frees like there has to be a middle ground somewhere in the refereeing and from one week to another it's just completely different standards what can we do Dahi you, you may be able to I think, yeah, I, I think you make a great point and, and what's happened is over the years what's been coached into players now is, is a level of cynicism and it's been openly coaching the players how to get the first defending hand in Slow the guy with the ball down for a split second. Pull your hand away. Like, it's a matter of split seconds at the highest levels now. So you stop a guy, slow him up briefly, put the hand in, it gets the second defender in on him. And all of a sudden, instead of an easy clearance, there's pressure put on the guy that is handing the ball. So what's happening is, if you were to take a referee, from what I understand from what you're saying, who applied the letter of the law, in the case in every game of Hurland, there'd be 15 and 16 yellow cards. So what we have nowadays is, all you have to do is look at a throw-in in the game of hurling. Everyone's meant to be 14 yards back. Referees have even gone past trying to stop it. He'll look to throw a ball in between two fellas, and if there's a melee of players around, he'll turn around quickly, and he'll throw it the other direction if there's two players there. Now, that's not in the rules, but like the rules have been tested so much by new management teams. And what's happening is, referees... I 
be liberal to keep the thing going. And if it's over liberal, they get castigated and shown on a Sunday night at half past nine, this was let go, this was let go, this was let go. And then if they go the other way and they apply the letter to law, they're castigated for showing an awful lot of yellow cards. So a lot depends on the two teams on the day. It depends on the conditions. It depends on the quality of hurling. It depends if one team is trying to be ultra-defensive because they're playing against a better side, which makes it very difficult for referees. I have a lot of sympathy for referees. I mean, I really do because I would say since the start of the last decade, more and more and more, and every player now knows how to be cynical. And some days they'll get away with it, and other days, depending on who the referee won't. It's problematic. I've said this, Tommy, many times back over the years. I think we entered a dangerous area when... The, like in the game of hurling there's very defined freeze you can stop a guy yeah. who can block in a fair shoulder or stand the guy up there's nothing in the rule book that says you can put your hand on a player pull his hurl pull his arm pull the jersey or whatever yet with impunity it's been allowed to happen game after game after game but if refs had to blow it we'd have a free fest and therein lies the difficulty that's where kind of referees have to come in and stand their authority excuse me <clears throat> um, but uh, like for me, the spare ha- the spare hand is obviously a problem, Dahi. That's obviously a problem, and it's been going on for a while now. But it is a foul at the end of the it's day. A foul, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, it is. It's a foul. But yeah. If the referee pulls that up in the first five minutes, you know yourself. You know it'll, it'll be. You know, and you know it has to be consistent. Yeah. Do you know? Do, do you know? What I... Might be well worth looking at is if you take a game of rugby. Do, you know, at, at the highest levels. A referee will engage with, with the teams during the week and he'll speak with the captains and he'll tell them exactly what he's going to be looking for. So, yeah. you know, if you've got a referee that basically, on the week of a game, speaks to both managements on the Thursday before a game and said, right, guys, let's be very clear about this. I am absolutely going to cut out any player that puts his hand in and illegally tackles. Get that back to your players. If you do it, I'll repeatedly and repeatedly give freeze against you. But... Because we don't have that process, so we acknowledge there's a difficulty. So when you acknowledge there's a difficulty, how do you rectify it? It may Sorry very well be a, a case of, of maybe looking to engage with that. Sorry to go across you there, Dahi, but... Um, no worries. Fergal Horgan went into in the Wexford Kilkenny game, I, and I was there early for the game, and uh, he went down to Mark Fanning, and he had a word with him, and he, I saw him going down to Owen, Owen Murphy, and I had a word with him. Can I jump in there? Can I jump in there, lads, for a slightly different point? Because Owen mentioned there the suspensions that were doled out after the Sunday game last weekend. So we've seen Rory Hayes and Peter Duggan now being put up for potentially a one match ban off the back of the footage that was again. Um well I suppose it wasn't a case of what I met up social media this week that maybe wasn't highlighted last weekend. Mm. But th- then again, if, if, if somebody else has footage, a supporter, and puts it into, you know, a forum whereby the GEA can't ignore it, that wasn't picked up on by any of the mainstream um, TV companies or broadcast companies, do we then start to look at that as well? I think it's, I, I think it's very, very, a couple of guys in a game where there was an awful lot going on. It, it's a little bit like the Armagh game earlier on this year and the Tyrone game where you see three or four Tyrone guys getting pulled out. Now, based on the footage that was shown that they made their decisions on, I thought that was an extraordinary decision. And then, of course, you end up in a court of law or, or it's arbitrated on. And I think the same thing will happen to accept the decision if both of them um, were suspended for a they weren't They weren't the biggest misdemeanors that took place on the day. I mean, you've got guys feigning injuries now and feigning going down, and this is going to be coached in. We've seen cases of that. It's terrible. One of the Mayo players went down at the call of time last. Kildare subbed the wing back that had just come on. Literally made a bit of contact into the chest area, not a lot. And straight down holding the face off. Christ's sake almighty tonight. Is this is this what we're doing now? In in all fairness, Dahi, um sorry lads for cutting across again. Um in all fairness, Rory Hayes pulled across the back of, of if that's seen, I, I that's think, a straight right card. I think James e. O'Connor put it exceptionally well today in the Sindo that being in the stadium in the moment of that game, th- there was nothing really dirty about that. He was shrugging off his man. I think when it slowed down, it looked a lot worse than it was. 
Sarah, Michael, do you want to come in on this as all? I'm not sure what you mean. I don't know when this actually started happening, Tommy, because like yeah. you know, this trial by media and I have no I have no necess- I have no issue with say Monday morning uh, a referee his umpires four lads sit down and they review a match from minute 1 to minute 70 Sunday night you know two pundits being salivate over and then the CCC pick it up on a Monday morning I I, I don't know when that came into the game Yeah I think Sarah's Yeah Sarah is spot on there it's 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 more so the fact of like what is the process where is the transparency about it who's actually watching the video and saying that needs to be adjudicated on then you need to have a retrospective ban because if you knew that and you were able to trace it through I think people could maybe make peace with it because as Owen mentioned you know I know it's I know it's by the letter of the law it, it may well be a one match suspension so but it's the fact that you don't know where it's come from that, that people just can't yeah. can't wrap their head around Owen thanks very much for getting in touch I think thanks it was a very me, very bad conversation look, look, look. thank you appreciate that thanks for calling in and listen if we're in the middle of a conversation about anything feel free to hit the the request button there to speak and we can change topic at any stage I think Blake Forkin summed it up very well there on Twitter that was some start to the off the ball Twitter spaces tonight a club manager resigns over player welfare concerns it's followed by a a pissed Armand man I don't know if Connor was pissed absolutely <laughs> love and life for Sunday night and then somebody ruins it all by talking about Hurland but I don't think going ruined it there I think he just brought up a good chat there so listen I'm going to bring in Michael McMullen Michael I'd be interested to hear where you were today and what you made of looking on Connor you can give one more word there. And Michael McMullen, you might unmute your mic when you're good to go. Connor, do you want to defend yourself there? Had you had a point tonight or have you had a couple of Guinness zero zero? Listen, I, I, was, I, was, I speak, was I speaking nonsense earlier on? I didn't think so. I think you're just very excited. I, I'm a, hey, orange and white and all excited are my football fans. Brilliant, Connor. You've lit up the championship. Fair play, boy. Michael Tommy, um, come in. Yeah, Tommy, I was in Clunas. Um, I'm on my way home here at the moment, and it was just a. All you saw was our people from the very moment you got there. There was a, an unbelievable level of excitement, and I think their their team replicated that with the performance, uh, the first goal. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's everything that you want to see, and the incident before half time changed it completely. I would be the same as yourself. Donegal came well back into it and like Sean Patton you know he's, he's, he was the best goalkeeper in the Ulster Championship but he had lost two long kickouts then he went short twice and all of a sudden he had a black card there was a substitution and the game completely changed but it was a great occasion and um, it's one of those games you're, you're so glad you're at and um Armagh, you know, well, won't have any reason to fear anybody in the back door. And um, I'm sure they'll be looking forward to tomorrow morning's draw. Definitely not. Michael, you might hang on there for a second. I think, Michael Quinlevin, it was the game that the Football Championship needed because whatever about the drama of Clare Common and the results, the end of the game and Mayon Kildare, I felt like the weekend was lacking a little bit of extra quality or spice. I don't know what it was, but the football on show today, particularly in the first half, was exceptional stuff. Yeah, it was. It, it's funny. It it was the biggest winning margin, but probably the best game um, yeah. from a neutral's point of view. Even you know, and there was a hell of a lot of drama in the other matches over the course of the weekend in the football championship. But the Ironman Donegal match just had a little bit more bite. Um, and and it, I was trying to kind of wrap my head around why that was, and it kind of maybe. Michael touched on it there. There was a hell of a lot of long kickouts, a hell of a lot of a hell of a load of contests for the ball out in the middle of the field, and a hell of a lot of long kicking into the full forward lines on both sides, which just kind of added to a bit of jeopardy. The ball's always kind of in the air, um, there's people attacking it from all angles, and and that was really kind of what drove it on. I thought Donny Gall, unbelievable start, like flying, kicking scores all over the place, and then. They just seemed to lose their heads the minute the black card hit. Um, never really kind of recalibrated. They probably could have done with a couple of people going down with an injury just to kill the time. But then losing two, yeah. losing two subs for a black card is a, is a bit of a, a killer on top of that. And, and they never seem to recover from it. I think they're very... Donegal are brilliant when they're playing from the front because their game is to sit in, absorb pressure and then hit you with a hell of a lot of pace from their half-back line, 
where they can run the ball into their full forward line to kick scores. And once our man got ahead, so it was nearly a, a, a double hit where they scored the penalty anyway, and now you've lost your goalie as well for 10 minutes. It was a crazy, um, crazy couple of minutes. And I, I, I couldn't tell what was going on. I'm not sure if the sub-keeper had his jersey ready or not, or whether he had to go and retrieve it, or whether he was actually allowed. I was trying to get clarity on this afterwards, if it was a goal-scoring opportunity with the black card. I don't know if they were actually allowed to bring the keeper in or not. That's the thing about GA rules at the minute. There's bloody mind-boggling to figure out what's right and what's wrong. Can I ask you about the goal, just before I move on, because I have a question for Dahi and Sarah about this. Yeah. The goal at the start of the game, from the throw-in, how much are set-piece moves from the throw-in worked on? Because when we played club football, Division 5 and Mead under 14, we had a move that sometimes worked. <laughs> but I was always used from the throw-in. Like, that is just majestic. From Ben Creeley nailing two lads' shoulders to O'Neill fetching it and playing that ball directly into Grugan, who was perfectly positioned, that was definitely a set-piece move, Michael, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, teams do work on them. Um I would say that the most simplistic form of that is probably what Armagh used. Um, but there's a hell of a lot of skill involved there. You mentioned Creeley, he blocks two men. And even O'Neill, when he's in the air, he, he, he shapes as if he's about to punch the ball forward and right at the last minute realises he's jumping on his own and taps it down to himself. Yeah. Uh, on the inside, he drifts. So when the ball is kicked, he actually darts in front. McCall gets caught under it. And by the time he's caught it and turned, the ball's in the back of the net. It's, it's look, it's it's... That's what Gaelic football should be, really. And that's what people are crying out for. Um, and Armagh were doing it all day long. Uh, ball spot, and that's why I'd say a hell of a lot of people are looking forward to seeing what they can do. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, in a couple of weeks' time. Exactly. I'm going to bring Michael in when I ask you a question when, when I get you back on the line. Dahir, Sarah, it's up to yourselves, whoever wants to answer this first. Do you enjoy watching Gaelic football at the moment at inter-county level? I've travelled a fair bit actually. My fiance is from Tyrone, so I had right crack uh, last year, obviously. And this yes. year I was in Bally Buffet uh, for the Donegal game in the league. Uh, enjoyed that game, and I was in Kerry for the Tyrone Kerry game uh, when Darren McCurry scored that outrageous goal. The games that are Division One quality, yes, I do enjoy them, and I and I can't say that I don't. But they have to be that quality for me to enjoy them. Yeah, I do. I have to say I do, and I will go against a lot of um, that. Over the last number of years, I would have particularly liked the Northern football and had many conversations with the guys here who kind of were going, how how can you... I like intricate kind of football. People call it blanket defence, etc. But the whole idea of to keep recycling it until they get the opportunity. The lower level teams who may be forced to kick when it's not to see, can you pick up on stuff at times? The smallest mm. little thing that you can pick. I do enjoy it. Of course, a more open game like today is more enjoyable. But even what will be deemed some of the dour games, if it's a Division 3 or 4 teams, I don't mean to be derogatory. I don't find it as exciting. But when you're playing the good, like Derry, I've enjoyed watching this year. Armagh, I do because of a great love of McGinney going back and how he's just absolutely stuck with this project for a number of years at this stage and to be as driven as he is. So, yeah, I do take a good interest in what McGinney's doing. The only thing I probably wouldn't have agreed with as much, but there's better experts in, on here than me to a football, is do people really actually think that the likes of Dublin and Kerry would really hate to miss Armagh? I, they were good, but Jesus, they bet the worst defending All-Ireland champions in history. And Donegal are on the way down. Great win today, Armagh, but... I don't think the likes of Kerry will be shaken if they met them, to be honest, which in Crow Park. Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I'd say they're the one team that you'd like to avoid them. Yeah, it's more so, I just don't think Mayo still have the same edge this year that they had in previous years. Don't you mind And, and, and no, I, I, I thought they bludgeoned Kildare to death more so than actually being incisive in the last in, in the game yesterday. Um, and I, I think if, if Kildare believed in themselves, there was a couple of moments, like the Flynn goal chance where Hessian yeah. blocks it. Yes. If, even if you get a point, I, I just think they, they see the game out. Um, like, look, Mayo, Mayo are a phenomenal team, but it, and and their backline will keep them in games. But I, I just don't see where last year they had Conroy and and O'Donoghue being incisive in the forward line. They, they, they just don't seem to have that with the with the injuries to those two guys. Um, and that's why I think Armagh of the four teams that have come through the qualifiers are probably the one. To Dublin or a Kerry. Or, or, my, or my steam train at the minute. 
Connor, Connor, you're like a nippy corner fool right. hanging out in the corner there. I didn't know. I didn't know we still had you. Go on, wait a minute. Go on. Let's hear you. I was, hi, I was listening. I was buying my time. I was hearing all. Now listen. When was the last time Kerry played a game? Probably four weeks. You're right. Oh, who, did, who did they play? Limerick. Limerick, right. And okay. betting by twenty points. Yeah. Twenty twenty odd points was it? Yeah, it was. Right. Orma is a choo choo coming down, coming down. I used to get the train university when I was younger to Belfast, right? And I used to be looking out the window. And I used to see young fellas looking up at the train. The rest of Ireland are looking up where I was when I was a child. They're looking at the train going, doot, doot, down the Dublin. We're on the way <laughs> down. Hey, I'm telling you now. I, 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 boys, what did I tell you, right? Boys and girls, what did I tell you? I went to St. Coleman's College in Yerry. We went down and we won the McCrory Cup. We, we beat St. Brandon's Colony, right? Back in the day. Who, what do you call your carry man? Galvin, is it? The, the way he does the, the... What do you call your man does the clothes? Paul Galvin. Yeah, the... the Paul, yeah. He does Paul the old involved, clothes. He was involved he, with the club over the... He was one of the coaches in <laughs> Brandon's Colony. And I'll never forget at half time, he looked up at the big screen and he seen the college boys and he goes, Jesus, what do we do? What do we do? Because that's what we'll do to carry when we get them. See in the big feed. In Croker. In Croker, we'll beat them. I'm t- and we beat them before. Now, I watched, you know what, 2002 All Ireland final? I watched it. I watched it once a week. <laughs> <laughs> At least. <laughs> I believe it. If that train, if that train, I'll see, I'll see over, see over that day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Connor, what did you for the what did you do for the two weeks that Armagh were uh, in the doldrums after losing to Donegal? Like, how did you pick yourself up after that? You watched the uh, game for the yeah. <laughs> Only I was I was gutted. I was gutted. I was honest, God. See after the league, and when you were building this up, and everyone, every podcast building this up, Arsene McConnell's in every podcast. It was hard not to though. It was hard not to build this up. Oh, you're so good to watch. And then and then we played Donegal, and we were what were we? We gave every kick. Like what we like, it was just it was the worst experience ever, and then until we beat Tyrone, I thought you know, man, are we back? Are we back? Are we back? <laughs> but you don't want to get you don't want to get too ahead of yourself, and then see after the day, we're back, we're back, baby, we're on the train. Hi, we're we're on the what do you call the train from Newry to Belfast? Is the Eight one or something. I can't even remember. Who knows? And my dad's a bus driver, but here, say not. Connor, you, you're allowed to hang on there if you want. I'm going to bring Michael back in here one more time. From he's a dairy man. I want to hear if he has any fear of Armagh coming through. Um, but hang on in the back pocket if you want, Michael. You're welcome. Have you any fear of Armagh, Michael and Derry? Um, I would say we would want anybody in the draw tomorrow morning because uh, we're really in bonus territory, hmm. but. They definitely looked very impressive today. And they looked like a team that Rory Gallagher would love to get his teeth stuck into um, because of the way that they play. But um, it was great to watch. And it probably was a bit like 2002. That brand of football with the diagonal ball. And I think... If- but, but, Michael, can I, can I tell you this? I, I actually... See, to be honest with you, see, see whenever Rory Gallagher took over Derry... I I, fear, I, 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 knew, I always knew Roy Gallagher was a good class man. I remember years ago, we played for Mana in Bruce, and they were useless. And then every man behind the ball in Brewster Park. And he did, like, he just had the team. He knew exactly how to handle it. But then, see, when he took Mahara, maybe won three or four McCrory Cups. There a couple of minor champs. Like, you're always going to be good. You're always going to be good. Glenner motoring as well, yeah, and the yeah. school football. And um, come here, would you would you fear Connor as a county? And it's brilliant to see, by the way. I absolutely, I'm so jealous of having a bit of hope. It's great to hear it. Would you worry if you were meeting Rory Gallagher in Crow Park, or would you think you could take them in Crow Park? Well, I I would I would always worry meeting a Rory Gallagher team. I would be hoping we I would be hoping we'd meet someone else. But if we have to beat them, we'll beat them. If hey, if he dies, he dies. <laughs> right, Connor. Brilliant stuff. Michael, Love. last word to you before we move away from Ulster Football because I have a couple of questions for our guests. Uh, and also, everyone else, you're welcome to hit the request button to speak and uh, ask any questions. I'll Thanks, Connor. I've said he has good luck. 
Michael, the floor is yours. Yeah. Um, no, I, I was actually ringing in about something different. Uh, you were talking about dual clubs earlier on in the conversation. Successful. Because at underage level, they play both codes. And when Glenn were winning all their underage football titles, you know, Sandhill were losing underage titles. But they were able to pick up a hurdle and go and play a different sport. And I think it was a help in keeping the players retained year after year. Um, whereas if you've only got one sport to play and your under-14s get knocked out in the first round of the championship, for example, there's no togetherness until the next year. Whereas both sports, I feel, helps. But when it gets to senior level, you need an unbelievable balance to make it all work. But I think dual clubs have to try and make it work because if you don't, neither code is going to make any shape, you know, in my opinion. I'd agree with you, Michael. I, I agree 100% tonight. I would have quoted the, the, the Slot Neil, um, particularly Slot Neil, and um, highlighted the point that it was managed from within. So <clears throat> everybody was vested in the players and how we protect our players. The difficulty, and I'm not uniquely talking about the club that I'm involved with, but again, it's another bugbear bear of mine, is when you bring outside managers in, it's it's gone like it's about the trainings and the duration of the training sessions. I mean, I went out for lunch with my son the other day. Who's the, the amount of time that's been spent on the pitch, you know, for football and that? And he just he looked at me and he said, "They're begging for injuries," and and I'm really conscious of this. So we've taken a different stance and we're saying you're not to talk. I stopped players last. I stopped players from talking out last week. They were shattered, pale in the face, etc. And one of the really good ones came to me and he said, thanks a million. I'm absolutely running on empty. So you've got to be able to look at players then and say, Do you know what, you're no good to us in that case. So, Michael, you're 100% right. The club has got to be the one that looks after and said, I'm all for dual clubs. I think it's brilliant that guys can, can, can experience both. The difficulty is when you get transient management teams that come in for a year or two and then they're gone, and I can assure you, in four years' time, they won't remember the names of any of the players they were involved in, and they certainly will not care about their well-being because they'll have moved on to a different club and a different club and a different club, or whoever the paymasters are, that'll give more. That's where I have my difficulty. Yeah, it's a very interesting conversation. Um, Michael, I don't know if you have any more you want to add to that in terms of Slock Neal. They are a very, very good example, and... I, I just think that I don't. I don't know if there's another way of doing it. I. I think Michael raised the point earlier on about Lockmore Castellani having the same management ticket. I, it, it must be very challenging in dual clubs. Well, I think Lockmore Castellani on particular nights will do forty minutes training hurling and then forty minutes training football. Yeah. yeah. Logical, practical, and pragmatic. Yeah. What about the they, Cork? They probably have the right message throughout the club as well, though. Correct. Um, which is a, which is a, which is a big one. Like management teams can only do so much, but the message has to actually come from the club itself that if we're taking both seriously here, that you know we're not flogging the players, you know, and and actually making sure that the players are centre to the whole thing rather than being pulled in two opposite directions. Sarah, how well did Cork manage that balance in that epic year in the mid two thousands? You were involved in. Well, would I be right in saying Eamon Ryan called you up at one stage to the? football panel as well when you were playing he did he did he said I was raw but he'd work with which I took as a massive compliment at that point Absolutely. but I just wasn't able to juggle it all because I was playing soccer as I am not the the person to to be asking about um you know minding the body I've no ACL like my knee is wrecked uh I wish that there was a management team who had actually said listen you don't need to prove yourself today and tomorrow and the day after give yourself a week off because I think I was constantly going up the hill trying to prove myself so 100% um I, I genuinely am asking the players directly saying how are you feeling today you're okay look you know you don't need to talk out today. This isn't life or death. And they're looking at me going, are you sure? And I'm saying, lads, you know, there's next week. There's there's the week after. We're, we're, we're 15 weeks from championship. You know, today is not the day that you have to throw it all on the line. Big up teams, you know, and every game seems to be more important than the next game because clubs can sometimes be results oriented too early in the year. 
and they don't necessarily look at the bigger picture and say, lads, we don't need to be motoring here. We need to be motoring in nine, ten weeks' time. So you have to give play- players room to manoeuvre. 100%, Sarah. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, Mike, Michael is right. It, it's got to come from the clubs, and you've got unique clubs who have it nailed very much. Look at their players, respect their players, because ultimately managements are charged with looking after the interests of the, the players on behalf of the members, the officials, the sponsors, the families, but particularly the players themselves. And I just feel that in a lot of cases gets lost and, and Sarah you're so right it's a results driven business and managements then particularly if they're outside managements and I get this you know it's like if you lose a number of games Jesus get, get you down to the field even more where my view has been continues to be and will be that the club must be the ones to say these are our prime assets whether it's on the camogie or girls football or hurling or football these are our assets we must protect them because what will happen is Kids will get burned out. Guys will, guys and girls will get burnt out and fall out of love with the game. And if you fall out of love with the game, the whole reasoning for playing it is lost. If all it is, is every game must be won. I just don't think that's right. And I agree with you on that front. Look, like the results, you look at our league table, I can't hide from it. We drew two games. We lost two games. We won one game um, for, for a team that's used to winning at that grade all of the time. A junior team and a senior team is... A number of senior players are over the age of 30, they're head and coming up through who've never played at that grade before. They all need game time. They're trying, you know, to see as much as they can and see during the league. But ultimately, we have to get the players on the field. We won't have the best team on the field all the time. The results will suffer. The club just has to accept that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, guys, I thought I made a speaker there. I think... Um, Sarah, one, one thing that is very obvious as well, you're talking about losing a couple of games in the league there. It doesn't take very much for any club team at any level or county team in that regards to get a bit of momentum in the summer. One or two things to go right and it'll all take off. I'm just going to paint the picture here. We're, we're into the last 15 minutes of GA Late Night. We're going to be live every Sunday night for the next seven weeks with thanks to Guinness 00. Just to let you know where we're at. In the football championship, we're into the last eight. Tomorrow morning, there's going to be a draw where we're going to have Derry, Dublin, Galway and Kerry on one side. Armagh, Clare, Cork and Mayo on the other. In the Hurling Championship, we're into the last six. Galway and Cork play each other in a quarter-final where Clare, and Clare play Wexford with Limerick and Kilkenny waiting on the other side. Sarah, in the Camogie Championships, I'd be right in saying that we're about a month away from the quarter-finals at this stage, so we're still in the group stages. How is it shaping up at the minute? Is there anyone putting their hands up so far? We had a round so, of games this weekend. Yeah, round of games this weekend. Um, Galway and Kilkenny are safe. They're into the last uh, six. No surprise there. Um, it's between Antrim and Limerick uh, in Group One for the last, the third spot. Um, Antrim are the surprise ticket this year. Uh, Ulster hurling is is thriving, lads. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah um, I I would like to see Antrim um, go through, um, but Limerick will 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 test them all the way. I think. And then on the other group. Cork are through, safe. Uh, Davy Fitz was in Iceland last week, so he missed uh, their, their game against Dublin when they were pushed by Dublin. Um, outside of that, there's two spots up for grabs and you have four teams in the running. You have Dublin, Wexford, Clare and Tip all still in the running for uh, those two spots. So ultimately, though, it's between Galway, Kilkenny and uh, Cork uh, for this year's All-Ireland again. The other teams that kind of chase and bridge that gap in quality. Okay, it's sort of similar, I suppose, to where the football is. That I'm not sure there's many realistic contenders outside of the top three, possibly at the minute that's left in it. Or is that is that fair, Michael? Like, are we more than three in football at the minute? I was about to say, I, was, I think it's just two. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's it's not it's it's not that there isn't other teams, and and with the way that with the way the draw is in the in the football, the chances are that there's going to be another team in an All Ireland final. Um, but it, it, it does seem that Kerry and Dublin are a step ahead um, and that the rest are, are looking to bridge the gap. Um, there will be some shocks along the way, no doubt, given what's happened so far in the championship. But if I was putting my hand on my heart, it's probably going to win it. Yeah, I think so. We're going to get to the hurling this weekend, so we'll keep an eye on those results and have a chat about it afterwards. I'm just going to bring in Declan Herrer here. Declan's a regular on GA late night. I believe you're calling. Well, uh, no, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, uh, just uh, just say well done to Limerick today in the football. After the Kerry match, they are no one give them uh, much credit and 
you know, for getting in two months to final. But, no, one of the things now, and I want to ask you there now, yesterday the only way we could have watched the two matches in Antrim and in Kerry was with uh, GA Go. And now it, they charge you 10 euros to watch it. And the commentary is so bad, you couldn't believe it. How they can't afford to give one of the lads that you'd even hear on Kerry Radio or Limerick or Wexford Radio to, to go on the, and do a commentary. It, 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 there's no introduction, half time. It closed, it, they don't do anything, and at the very end. And there's people watching matches over in Seattle that I know, New York, all over the world. And why is Diego not able to afford a proper commentary or a proper assessment during the matches? Before before I let the guys jump in there, I'm going to make the point that it's better than nothing, yeah. 100%. And like we have been crying, and I've done serious cribbing and whinging about the lack of streaming and games that are available. I had the games on yesterday, had them on in the background, dual screening it. I, I do understand your frustrations, Declan, but I would say at this stage, it's better than nothing. But going forward, streaming has to be a major part of any GA TV rights deals. But I'll come back to you. How much money are they making on this? Like getting 10 euros off of people. Like it's just not enough. If you're going to put on the service and charge people 10 euros, give them a proper service. And it is fantastic that they are. They could afford to put a proper commentary in place. I agree with you, Declan. I actually worked with the, the board gosh for the Fitzgibbon hurling this year and I thought their product was excellent. And uh, Oshin Langan was, was running it for uh, the Fitzgibbon championships. And certainly I, ca- I don't understand why G- the GA, knowing what the successful it, it was during COVID and how many people were tuned in, that they actually hadn't a plan where they weren't going to be showing them live. Yeah, I think it's a matter of debate in relation to the commentators, to be honest with you. I mean, some of the most unique commentators around the place are the regional commentators, where you'd nearly have people, if their, if their county team was involved in the early stages of the championship, turn down the sound and actually put the radio up to listen to their own comment. Some great characters. And part of the crack afterwards is that we listen to the lads on the radio. You've heard it with Roscommon before. I've heard it down in Wexford, in our own county, etc. So... Tommy, I'm inclined to agree with you. I mean, GEA Go had something up on Twitter, I think it was, maybe yesterday, just about the browser to open it up in that there's certain connections is not as suitable with. Mm. But in relation to the commentary, I think the likes of RTE, in fairness to them, and I thought their coverage of the football this weekend versus the analysis, I should say, versus Sky's was chalk and cheese. I thought RTE's was diabolical compared to Jim McGuinness and Canavan, I thought they gave an absolute masterclass yesterday in what proper professional analysis of a game was. They were absolutely superb. But I think when you stream, um, at the end of the day, RTE have a certain amount of people that work in their sports department who will be involved in different sports over the course of a weekend. So I just think when you're going to get it streamed, I'm, I'm not expecting when I'm streaming something like that to have you know, top quality commentary on it. If, I, if, if someone calls the basics out on it, I'm happy enough to look at it, to be honest with you. I'm not looking for this to be like, you know, the exposure you're going to get on RT2 today and from Sky Sports yesterday. However, they were chalk and cheese in their performance levels. Can I take us back to something said earlier? Porik, um, how are you doing? Yeah, you're welcome. I, you're just, I was about to introduce you here. Where are you calling them from? Uh, from Ormah. Um, okay, do you want to jump in? What are you chatting yeah, about? It's just earlier, uh, someone made the comment that they see Dublin up there as proper contenders. Um, I just can't see how going on recent form with the league and all, how, even, how they're even mentioned up there with the top teams. So who do you think Who do you think are the contenders? Well, I think Kerry are just outright. I don't, I don't think anyone's in the same league as Kerry at the moment, like. But I don't see how Dublin would be con- considered as being up knowing that at that level. You know what I mean? I, I just think the Dublin you saw in the league is a very different Dublin team to what you're seeing currently in the championship. They've gotten a hell of a lot of players back. There's a bite there. They're putting teams to the sword like they did for years in Leinster, um, and they just seem to have a focus. I, I'm I'm not saying that they may well they may well, but I think they're what's closest to Kerry at the minute. 
Um, and and it's, it, it really is the two of them. And then there's maybe a little step down um, to the rest. There's obviously a few, like, look, it's, it's Armaz. Maybe they're, they're, their first, their first go at an All Ireland, I would say, with this team, that it won't be the last. It, it's similar to Derry in a lot of ways. They're they're kind of taking their first shot at it. I think they'll have another three or four goes at it over the coming years, um, and it may well take another couple of years before they actually get there. Uh, whereas Dublin, and they're a little bit older. Their main players are twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine. I think they had their down year last year. They, I would disregard their league form. Um, because it's it's not currently what you're seeing in the championship. You see the difference that Con makes to them on the inside line, especially number one. Um, and I just think they're they've they've kind of gone back to what made them so made you, everybody else feared them, which was they were way more direct than they have been in previous years. Um, and and in Crow Park, if they can get that game going, it's very hard to stop them. I think Porik, I might jump in there as well. Last year, looking at them. I would have been one of the first per- people to put my hand up and actively say I was looking for faults in Dublin uh, going into the semi-final where Mead played them. And I felt last year that there was cracks there. I felt Con was getting frustrated looking out the pitch. I felt like they were playing in between two different styles. They hadn't really figured out what they wanted to play like. And they were there to be got at last year. I thought they were frightening against Kildare. Well, do you not think that against Kildare, that they were absolutely frightening in that first half? You're just on mute there, Pork, if you want to come back in. Oh, is that the me, is it? Sorry. Yeah. Do you not think they were how their form was on a different level in Croker? Yeah, well, I think they are coming into it, but I just I, I feel like Armagh are being written off. Right, like even even the route, to even the quarters, they beat the the current Ireland champions and Ulster finalist Donegal. I feel like they're getting the the it's a tough route like for them. Completely, I completely agree with you, Park. I've been big enough by Armagh here all evening. Um, it's it's just that... I made the one, sorry. I made the one, sorry. <laughs> no, you haven't heard of that. I just, think Dublin, <laughs> I just think Dublin and Kerry and Crow Park is, is may not get... And the route that they've taken, I know people are going to you know, talk down the, the Tyrone challenge. Armagh still had to put them to the sword. They had to come back against Donegal after being beaten twice. And really turned on the style, I would say as well. Um, they will be, you know, full of confidence going down. It's just whether or not. I think I think they'll be asked a different question against those two teams. I'm correct in saying that Armagh beat Dublin in the league last year. I was at it. I think this year. This, year, this, year. this year, yeah, this year, and like a stunning win. So another reason why I'd fancy Armagh, Declan. You know, uh, they put together a really, really solid performance against Dublin in Croke Park. And I know we're disregarding Dublin's league form, but I still think it was important for Armagh to do that then in that pitch. Tommy, you mentioned it earlier on. Donegal absolutely drove through them. Yeah. And I thought it was worrying. And I do think things happened in the game that obviously went for Armagh at the right times. And they punished, punished, punished afterwards but the incident with the penalty I mean it would have worked out better for Donegal if the goal had just been given without the, the loss of and I mean taking McBrearty off to accommodate the goalie coming on I thought it was an extraordinary decision but when Donegal drove at them for that period of time I thought it was worrying for Arma. I was glad Arma won I really was I, I love McGeaney but I yeah. just thought for that period. It was, I I, definitely, he, definitely. Donegal, we're going to have them. I'm just going to bring in yeah. Sean Larmer here from Tyrone. Sean, do you want to have a quick word? Because we've got a couple of minutes left here in GA late now, and I've got four or five speakers on the line. So I'm going to rattle through them quickly here. Sean, you're welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, picking up with Daddy, you know, just mentioned Armagh. I, I was late getting to the game. Ten minutes in, the goal was scored. It was 1-1-1-2, and Donegal were maybe 7-1-1-1-2 to up. And I thought Armagh are missing a trick here. They've let it slip and Donegal were on top. And, and, and certainly I thought the right was on the wall. Um, but uh, as the game turned out, Armagh had, the, had their measure. And Donegal heavily relied on uh, Murphy. Uh, uh, so it was a bit of a bit of a, bit of a mismatch, really, at the end. But uh, good to see Armagh uh, flourish. But just picking up some of the conversation, I mean, Armagh haven't been here for 20 years. It's 20 years from the one that they're, they're first All-Ireland. Derry haven't been around for a while. So 
I, I, I wouldn't be surprised tomorrow morning if we have a Derry Arma quarterfinal. <laughs> it's not often you hear the Tyrone boys so glowing in their praise of the Arma boys. They're still happy after last year, though. Yeah, I think that's the problem in Tyrone. They were so happy to win that All Ireland that they've just been they never humbled. They've been humbled twice. Do you know what, guys? Um, Tyrone, I absolutely believe we'd have won it in 04, but for the the situation that, that came around. But 05, 08, um, you know, and it's been a while then on, up until last year. I think the fair last year wasn't just what it what it usually is. And Tyrone won a pure luck. I mean, we won it in the semi-final last year and, and whilst Mayo put up a good resistance last year you know the, the final was won in the semi-final if you if you ask me but i th- i think Derry and and Armagh will be there or thereabouts um look we, we in ulster we've had great rivalries against Armagh in the noughties we had the Derry in the 90s mm. and, and certainly we uh we we aren't good enough this year and there's i said it when i spoke to you guys after the Derry match you know Tyrone just aren't at the races and there's something going on in the camp that, that maybe the general public isn't aware of but it, it just isn't what, what we're used to. I think I thank Sean again for calling in. I think we'll see Tyrone coming back with a vengeance. I'm just going to bring in Dara O'Connor here because we're into the last couple of minutes and Dara has been patiently waiting. Dara, do you want to have a, a word with the panel here? Thanks me and Sean. Yeah, um, regarding Crow Park, I mean that it was a, it was a shambles really Yesterday, obviously, from a Roscommon point of view, it was a shambles on the field, but they didn't even announce the the official attendance yesterday. Just Googling um, it. They still haven't announced it. No, no. So it, I was expecting 25,000 at the start of the week. I don't even think it reached 15,000 yesterday. It was a, it was like a funeral home for, for most of the, the, the two games, really. And should we even be looking at the court? They won't do it, but even the quarterfinals at neutral venues, because... The day at double headers as well. Second game comes, you have people from the first game leaving. But a place, to be honest, like if you drew Mayo and Kerry, imagine forty thousand in the gated grounds and or Turles, you know that sort of way. It, it, it's just the thing. It's bit of specialness, if if you like. See, I thought it seeped into the first half. The second half was electric, I suppose. But the first half, especially, it was very little intensity between the two teams, between the two forty fives, and I actually felt it was a lot to do with kind of how empty the stadium was. There was no atmosphere there at all. Um, it kind of had the feel of a league final. And then even though it turned out to be a, a cracking finish and, and, you know, all credit to Clare and especially Colin Collins. I know that's probably the, the pervading uh, line that's been coming out, but I think, you know, Colin has done an unbelievable job there as well. So, um, but it definitely, I think, I think what you've mentioned there is definitely right. And it's getting to the stage now where a bouncing provincial ground maybe even at a quarter-final stage, depending on who's involved, um, and then let the final and semi-final be in Crow Park um, and let them have their big day at that stage. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a very good point. I, I might let you in, but Gerard Sheridan wanted to add to the conversation. Gerard, you're welcome to unmute your mic there and have a chat with our panel here on GA Late Night. You've been on the line there for a minute or two, Gerard, so I'll give you a second to have a say if you want. Dahi, while we're waiting on Jared, what do you make of soulless games in Crow Park? Obviously, for Clare fans and the the select few that were there, they were they had a good crowd with them. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. but like amazing moment, Jamie Malone kicking that winner. But like, it's into an empty hill sixteen. Yeah, hundred no, percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Tommy, Tommy, I played a game of golf with, with the off the county chairman this morning, Michael Dignan, and I said it to him halfway around. I said, "What in God's name? Why do they make these decisions?" And Mike's answer to me was. Well, you know, like the, the players kind of really wanted. And I said, but hold on a second. What about a vibrant hopping ground? And he said, listen, the way it could go is you'll see Crow Park ultimately been used, as Michael has said there, on semi-final and final days. And you'll start to see concerts being utilised to generate the revenues. But all logic would dictate that what happened yesterday that makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, Kilkenny and Galway in Port Leash or Tullamore in a Leinster final would have full capacity there. Heave and throb and exactly what the players want. Look at look at Thurlis last week. They, they, surely to God they have to look at it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm going to give last word here to Killian Donoghue. Killian, do you want to unmute your mic there and have the last say on this week's episode of GA Late Night? Well, just on what Dahi's point there, um, do you think it was anything to do with possibly Sky Sports being reluctant 
to go anywhere other than Croke Park yesterday? Well, today I don't know the figures. Um, just before you answer that, yeah, you sure. give your answer after. I'm pretty sure Sky made it clear on their coverage, Killian, at the very top when they had the conversation about Crow Park that it wasn't their decision. So just if that changes your yeah. answer, work away here. Well, well, I, I, I suppose to be fair about it, I don't know the answer. But if you're if you're looking at it from their perspective, and if that is the case, that that's what they look for, I would have thought that the big game of the weekend arguably was Armagh and Donegal today. Um, but it's he who pays the most can can you know pay the piper and make the decisions. And Sky are pumping money into this thing. Their product wasn't always great, but again, I'll make the point, and it's off it off of what we were talking about. I'll make the point. The analysis coverage yesterday from the two gentlemen, Canavan and McGuinness, was light years ahead of what we've been subjected by RTE at the moment, in my opinion. But it's a learning curve from Sky as well, um, Killian, because obviously. The Sky are going to say, right, there's certain games in the year where we've had big crowns and it's really, you know, the game has benefited from it. And next year they'll go, right, we won't ask for Croke Park, we'll ask for something else. So as Sky have improved over the years in terms of their analysis and, and you know, their pitch management, maybe they'll start asking the big questions now and, and pushing for the local grounds. Yeah. Hopefully. All right. Thanks, Killian, for calling in there. And thanks to all our callers on GA Late Night this week. Thank you very much to Dahi Regan, to Sarah Donovan, and to Michael Quinlevin. We will talk to you again next Sunday night. Uh, GA Late Night is brought to you with thanks to Guinness 00. 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. For more social occasions off the GA pitch, they're yours for the taking. Thank you to all our callers and to everyone for listening in. If you've missed us live, this is going to be available in the OTB GA podcast feed. We'll talk to you again soon.